With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Happy New Year and welcome back to the Underdog Podcast on UnderdogDynasty.com, SB Nation's home for G5 football. As we look forward towards the 2019 season, schedules are out already. It'll be here before we know it. Um, let's just talk some recruiting action and look forward into the crystal ball a little bit. What programs are on the rise? What programs are uh, not so much? Um, so, Happy New Year again, everybody. Joe Lonergan back with you, uh, Western Kentucky complainer about her, as uh, <laughs> as it's kind of become the case over the past year or so. Um, Conference USA stuff over on Underdog Dynasty, and back with Eric Henry, the FIU beat writer and other Conference USA uh, bloggy things, as they're known in the professional sense. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right, Joe. To quote the great Ludacris, we are back for the first time after uh, after hiatus. We're uh, we're doing this thing again here, the OLC USA podcast. Uh, ready to get it started. Back for the first time. For, uh, forgive my Caucasianness. What song is that from? <laughs> it's actually uh, it's actually Ludacris. The name of his first album, "Back for the First Time." Oh, okay. Uh, it, it is it, it is uh, a little little uh, inside hip hop uh, trivia here for me being the hip hop head that I am. Uh, Ludacris repackaged his first album um, and just put like two extra songs on there, so hence why he called it back for the first time. So there we go, which, which has nothing to do with this podcast, but it's it's on the record now. So. That's on our upcoming show where I'm. It's just you with a chalkboard teaching me about hip hop and me just with a notebook. <laughs> like yes, yes, hi, I like the Lumineers. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh god! If, if, you, if you didn't, if you didn't know the the, uh, the difference, uh, subtle difference between Joe and I and this podcast, now you know. So. <laughs> uh, pretty much, uh, but we're talking some Conference USA football at some point here. Uh, to kind of start, we had a series of articles go up on UDD this week where we and the rest of the underdog staff kind of talked about. Um, we looked at Conference USA through the point of view of like a stock exchange, really. So went through each team and just said, you know, are you buying stock in this team? Are you selling stock in this team? Or are you pushing? Um, so we'll, we're going to start with the East. Um, Eric, I know you uh, kind of preferred to kind of take the lead on this section. So we'll start with, with some of those programs. Uh, which, what's the first program you want to uh, kind of give your opinion on here? Yeah, yeah. So we'll start with the East. And the program that I'm going to start off with is Middle Tennessee State. So uh, just going to get it on the record here. I'm taking them as a push. Uh, my reason for it is this. Losing Brent Stockstill automatically means you're going to take a step back. And, and I just believe in my heart of hearts, and I, I'm sure whether you'll you know agree or disagree on this, it's something we talked about throughout the podcast last year. Uh, I think both of us kind of thought that Middle overachieved. I don't think any of us really thought that Middle – would contend uh, in, in the East and, you know, 
uh, all things considered, they did, and that's fine. But we both attribute a lot of that to Brent Stock still. So when you lose him, you're automatically going to take a step back. Uh, what the Blue Raiders do return is a lot of talent on defense, guys like DQ Thomas, uh, safety Reed Blankenship. And the run game really picked up. Uh, Shaton Mobley. Uh, pick up towards the end of the year because uh, Ferris Thomas kind of had some uh, some uh, struggles there. In the end, though, I just think Rick Stockstill's club is going to take a small hit in the win column. So I don't think it's a wholesale uh, sell here. I think it's more of a push. Uh, I see them definitely being in bowl contention, but I, I just kind of see them topping out at maybe seven wins, but I'm leaning towards six. Uh, and, of course, you know we're far from having to make a prediction on that. But just overall, as far as the stock exchange goes, uh, I've got middle as a push. Yeah, I agree. I think stock still is a big loss for them, and I don't really know what to make of next year's team if he's not there. So, I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and once again, it'll be you know a, a curious case to see who's starting at quarterback. Someone who I, I did kind of like uh, in the time he got was Asher O'Hara, the the JUCO transfer kid from uh, from outside of Chicago. But once again, it's kind of you know anyone's guess as to who will be starting. The next club I have in mind here, and this is a full on buy for me. Is Marshall. Uh, they have their quarterback in Isaiah Green, and I think he's legit. Uh, I, I was someone who was advocating from him, you know, throughout all of last year uh, to kind of be the guy. He had to kind of fight off Alex Thomas and as well as fight off some injuries throughout the year. But where I think he's really going to be helped is is the return of Tyler King, who's going to come back healthy. And in Tyler King's absence, uh, Marshall really discovered, you know, Doc Holliday's club. They really discovered a backup running back in Brendan Knox. So I think they're going to be a great one-two punch. You pair that with Obi Obialo. Uh, that's all one I always have to slow down and say. But uh, he's more than ready to be the number one receiver with Tyree Brady's graduation. And uh, in this article that did go live uh, on UDD on the website, uh, I did say that Malik Gant, if he were to choose to return, is, would be one of the best defensive players in Conference USA. However, as we know, Malik Gant has chosen to enter the NFL draft. So uh, someone you might want to take, keep an eye on if you're a Marshall fan or a CUSA fan in general is a three-star recruiting Amir Richardson. Could possibly step in and fill his place immediately at the safety spot. But all in all, I'm, I'm all in a Marshall to buy. Yeah, I agree with you there as well. When you talk about Marshall, it's kind of a who's who of like good, talented, um, young skill position guys on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I agree with you. That's a program that's in a really good spot. All right. So uh, next program up is be the one who I uh, cover on a, on a daily basis. That'd be Florida International. Mm -hmm. I am all in on the Panthers. Uh, could not buy – if I could buy it twice, I, I'd, I'd buy it three times. Uh FIU returns 30 players from last year's team who saw significant playing time, including 18 starters. Uh, Morgan, James Morgan, you know, at quarterback, he only had about 13 practices under his belt before the season started. Now, let's just imagine what he can do with an entire offseason under his belt. Uh, I think the sky's the limit for, you know, one of CUSA's most potent offenses. The defense is going to have to make some strides. You know, that's something that I've belabored in my articles covering the team here on the podcast. The fact of the matter is this. The reason FIU was able to win games was because they won the turnover margin. A lot of that was due to the play of, of guys like Sage Lewis forcing fumbles, uh, um, the, the talent from the uh, from the safety spot with the Dameses, uh, Richard and Richard Dames, Dorian Hall picking off passes, Stanley Thomas Oliver picking off passes. But the run defense just has to improve. There's no two ways about it. Where, uh, where I think they're going to be helped a lot is the return of Furman Silva, who missed most of 2018 due to an injury. And he announced on Twitter that instead of uh, pursuing a pro career, he's going to come back uh, for his final year at FIU. And he's a guy who I, I had said on Twitter and pretty much anywhere that, that I could you know, proclaim that if he chose to go, to go pro, it wouldn't have 
really bothered me any because I thought that he really had that kind of potential and that talent already. But you bring him back, and I, I think FIU, they just really have the, the potential. And, and not, not even the potential as much as the, the reality that a lot of their talent, that their young talent that played, they stepped up and played well. Guys like Rocky Jacques-Louis, um, uh, Devontae Price. I mean, I, I could rattle off name after name after name. The biggest losses for them are going to be Jordan Budwig, who after seemingly a decade at the program is no longer there, and C.J. Wharton, who left early, and that kind of raised some eyebrows. Um, but look for a Juco guy in Logan Gunderson. Uh, he's been one of their one of their uh, most uh, uh, hype recruits coming into this year's class. Uh, he's going to have a really chance. He's going to have a good chance to step in and add Budwig spot. And uh, Bryce Singleton is a wide receiver who made some plays as a freshman and was kind of hampered by injuries. He had an ankle injury to start the year last year, and then he kind of came on towards the middle and the end of the year. With J.J. gone, I think Bryce would definitely be a full-time starter. But all in all, I, I mean, like I said, if, if I could buy three times on the Panthers, I would. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. That'd be a good return on investment, really, because I think uh, Butch Davis is just doing a tremendous job there. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. He's recruiting really well. Um, and just that whole staff has really um, bought into what he's building there. So completely agree with you on that. Next up, we're going to go with Charlotte. Uh, this is where we may have some differentiation. You know, mm-hmm. I, it's it's been no secret. Uh, Joe and I have been uh, back and forth on this podcast whether it's been uh, the expectation for the 49ers fans should have, excuse me, the expectations that 49ers fans should have, uh, Brad Lambert's job status, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, some of that's kind of taken care of itself. Brad Lambert was dismissed, and now it's Will Healy's job. Uh, I'm all in on Charlotte. I, I think they're a buy. I think they're going to win seven games this year. Uh, next season, it, they've, they have to get the quarterback situation straight. And I think Chris Reynolds, who had his moments uh, last year before being hurt, I, I honestly think he's going to be the guy. Now, how well does he fit into Will Healy's system? That's going to be a fair question. And hopefully we can have my man Hunter Bailey on uh, sometime throughout the offseason to kind of give us a little more perspective on that. Because I'm hearing conflicting things about what kind of offense they're going to be running. But I don't care what offense they run when you have a stud in Ben LeMay. Uh, that is going to make things tremendously easier for whoever's behind center. Uh, and, and he's just the real deal. I mean, I saw him firsthand just run through FIU's defense at four touchdowns that uh, that Saturday evening in a loss to FIU. Uh, and, and also, Joe, they're returning, you know, two really good receivers. Uh, and I'm, I hope I don't get this wrong. Uh, I know it's Victor Tucker and Rico Arnold. I believe mm-hmm. Tucker is the freshman and Rico Arnold was a sophomore. Uh, 99% sure that Tucker was a freshman. But anyways, they're returning both of those guys. And if they can get some consistency out of the quarterback position, those guys' is, 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 uh, effectiveness will be just through the roof. So that's something I'm really looking forward to seeing. And the question is going to be how will the defense fare with the loss of uh, Juwan Foggy, who graduated. Ben DeLuca is a nice safety. He'll have to pick up the slack. And also uh, Glenn Spencer with the dismissal of Brad Lambert. Uh, Glenn Spencer now residing in Boca Raton. Uh, he you know, guided one of the best defenses in Conference USA last year. So we'll have to see how all those pieces fit into, into place. But all in all, I think you got to buy a lot of young talent. And Benny LeMay is the real deal. Right. I think Charlotte, uh, the issue for me isn't on the talent side of things. I think Benny LeMay and, and the receivers and some of the other folks on that team, I think they're good. And I think they have the talent to do what they did last year in terms of like getting right to the brink. Um, I don't know. Just It's tough to transition into a new coach. Um, so that's why I'm kind of not 100% on just 
saying that they're going to get to a bowl game or anything like that right away, um, just because it is hard to transition into that kind of uh, habit when you have a new coach, regardless of who it is. Um, so that's kind of why I'm, I'm, I'm going to say push on Charlotte. Well, it, it wouldn't be a Charlotte conversation this podcast if I didn't have one rebuttal for you. Uh, <laughs> just here's what would be my my you know counterpoint to that is their team that for a lot of last year. I mean, it, it, I guess it depends on your, your POV. You know, from having done this podcast with you for about six months now, I, I kind of get the feeling that you think that Charlotte really over um, achieved last year, and I think they underachieved by winning five games. You know, they were right there and a couple others. I think they lost three games by a score. So if they can just flip those things around, they're a bowl team. Uh, that would be my, my rebuttal to your uh, point. I guess we'll just have to wait until uh, this football season to see. That's <laughs> <laughs> so fair. We can definitely leave it at that. Um, <laughs> the next one, I, I'm going to leave a little bit of room for my, my friend Joe here. Western Kentucky, uh, the tops, right? They can mm-hmm. only go up from here. That's what I what I wrote. Um Honestly, I don't think their situation was as bad as last year's record shows. They had four losses by three points or less. How much of that is a coaching change? I guess we'll find out with Tyson Helton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has his work cut out for him, but the cabinets are far from bare. The major thing for me is the quarterback situation. I, I'm a guy who I, I really like Davis Shanley, but you know, you've made mention on this podcast of Kavaris Thomas and you have to figure out what role he's going to play in the program, but you know, is it as something as simple as a coaching change? Put Western uh, back in bowl contention? Who knows? Uh, I have it as a push, and uh, I'll let Joe uh, have at it here. I mean, I, I'm i going to say bye just because with how bad that team was last season, in terms of win-losses, it really can't get much worse. So just in terms of percentages, I would have to say that they're going to win more games than they did last year. Um, maybe not a huge amount more, but I think um, – with Helton coming back and just the talent that they have on that roster, I think they'll, if nothing else, be better than they were last year, which is, you know, if we're playing this like the stock market, that's a profit, you know? <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. You know, four wins is more than three, so mm-hmm. that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, next, next team up is uh, the Florida Atlantic Owls. I have them as a push. Uh, I was torn between push and buy just because I really think Lane Kiffin is a good coach. I always have. Uh, I thought Lane kind of got a bad rap, you know, from the Oakland things and, and Tennessee. And, and But in terms of him, you know, being a, as a as an in-game coach, I, I think he's a really good coach. And we all know what he can do as a recruiter. Uh, he has to get the coordinator situation right. You know, that really kind of kind of gave them some issues last year mm-hmm. and they have made some changes into their staff right behind that is figuring out the quarterback situation uh, I, I think we all believe that you know uh, FAU they really did underachieve last year and and it's really just going to be a matter of seeing what you know Driscoll can do um, excuse me the retirement of Driscoll really really hurt them but it's it, overall this were a maddening team to follow in 2018 because in five of their seven losses they held leads at, at some point during the turn the game you know four of the five were one score contests so uh, the issue is is for me it's it, will it hold them back from a bowl game in 2019 it, it the issue won't be talent it'll just be how much of it they lost through graduation or uh, going to the draft in the offseason guys like Devin Singletary guys like Kareth White Jr. Um, guys like you know uh, Javon Durante uh, they lost a lot of talent so it's going to be a matter of how much of that talent can they replace uh, going into 2019 yeah um 
For them, I'm going with push as well. I think Devin Singletary is just such a big loss. Um, I think we're going to you know, really see what that coaching staff is made out of now that I think they're losing a lot of quality talent from this year's team, who I think, you know, obviously underachieved. Um, so this year is going to be a big test, but I think there are some, some quality people on that sideline. And I think there's, uh, you know, I think they're definitely going to recruit some, some big names and definitely going to make sense of like the guys that are left. So, um, I don't know. I, I'm, I was hesitant to say bye, but I'm, I'm going to say push because I think there's there's still some good stuff in that program, but it's really going to be hard to like replicate what Devin Singletary brought to the table. The major thing is going to be Chris Robson. You know, mm-hmm. if he can just kind of develop that consistency, it, that could be be the difference between a push and a buy for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the the last program we're going to take a look at, and this is one that you know I'm definitely interested to hear what you have to say because I'm I'm at a loss. Uh, it's Old Dominion, and I I'm selling. Mm-hmm. The reason I'm selling is just because once again they lost a ton of talent. You know, John Duhart, uh, O'Shane Zimenez. Um, Isaiah Harper, you know, they, they lost they lost a ton of talent. Travis Fulgham, uh, um, Blake Larusa is good, you know, pursued a higher calling, the seminary school, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I have that's the reason why I'm selling Old Dominion, but it, it's it's not that they that they were as competitive as, as FAU record wise. I think they're in a similar position because of losing that talent, but also. I think I asked you this question at the end of the last podcast, and I think you and I both agree. Old Dominion, we felt, wasn't a quarterback away from having their issues solved. However, no. it seems as if Bobby Wilder feels that way because they've brought in 900 quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, by, from all, all accounts, they're all talented guys. Um, the latest one we'll talk about when we get into recruits. Uh, but they brought in a ton of Juco quarterbacks uh and in addition to having Stephen Williams on the roster. So it, it makes me think that they feel that, you know, I don't know if this is a situation where you just want to get a really talented quarterback room and go from there, but you can only play one at a time. Um, that's kind of why I'm selling. I mean, I just don't know. Personally, I, I think they lost too much talent, and I don't think that they're just a quarterback away. And, and once again, it, by all accounts, it seems that they've had a solid recruiting class and, you know, they're kind of getting things together, but they've brought in nine quarterbacks, and I just don't know what to think about that. Yeah, I'm kind of of similar mind. I'm selling also, regardless of how many quarterbacks they have. Um, I, I'm not positive that any of them are really gonna, you know, be good enough to compete right away. And then you lose guys like Duhart uh, on offense, and then O'Shane Zimenez on defense. That's a lot to uh, that's a lot to replace. And even though you know, with the record that they had last year, I don't really see them improving on that too much so um there's just not a lot to be excited about on that old dominion team right now unfortunately yeah i mean i'm right there with you so that kind of wraps up my thoughts on the east all right um with that i'll kind of take the lead on the west then um with uh we'll start with uab then I'm going to buy on them. I really like Bill Clark. I really like the the staff that he's building. I like that it's becoming um, a good destination for for JUCO guys and some grad transfers and uh, just other recruits in general. Um, Yeah, and then you take into account the fact that um, they're building new facilities. They're just taking what this program has created and achieved over the last couple years, and they're really trying to build on it. 
And, you know, for that reason, this just doesn't feel like a program that's going to have one good year and then, you know, tumble back down into obscurity. I think we have a lot more to see from this UAV program. Yeah, not much, you know, a challenge here for me. Uh, I'm all in, like you said. Even though, yes, they're going to lose a, lot, uh, a fair amount of talent when you talk about guys like uh, Jamel Garcia-Williams and, and Chris Wilbright. In terms of the overall program, I'm all in on what Bill Clark is building. This does really seem like it's something special. And most, more importantly, uh, it seems like, you know, the community and, and, and the school and the university is really behind the program, which was something that, you know, made all the difference uh, when the program was shut down to now. It seems like, you know, UAB's kind of rallying crying. They don't want to see the program go away again. So in terms of, you know, facilities, I know they're – I believe they're building a new practice facility if my memory serves me correct mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean things are are, are looking up for uab so i'm all in uh, as far as a buy yeah anytime there's that kind of investment in a program it's hard not to get excited about the future um but we'll move along then to north texas i'm also gonna buy in them um you talk about a team that just brings the hammer every time they put that offense on the field and they didn't really lose too much in terms of the talent on that side of the ball mason fine of course coming back and then you look on the sideline and then seth latrell's back also graham harrell's back uh no real reason to think that they're going to slow down at all on defense or on offense rather um and then on defense i think uh there's some quality young talent coming in to that side of the ball so if they were to not win eight games again in 2019, that would be kind of surprising to me. Once again, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, when you talk about having Seth Littrell back, which that, uh, in my opinion, really was the biggest win of the offseason for them, him not choosing to take a P5 job, then you you take in, uh, into account they're bringing back Mason Fine, uh, a lot of talent on offense. They they are uh, losing a couple guys on defense, but I, I think they have enough young talent uh, coming in to replace them, and I'll talk about two recruits. We could talk about recruiting in a second, though. I think they're going to be able to make immediate impacts to three-star twins, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, I think you got to be all in on UNT, so I'd be shocked if they took a major step backwards or, or even a, a step backwards at all. Um, so, yeah, I'm right there with you. Sure. And uh, staying in the West, we'll talk about Louisiana Tech. Uh, this team's a little tough for me to judge. Um, they're not a bad program at all. They're quite the opposite. They're a pretty good program. Um, my whole thing is there just seems to be this like ceiling that they can't quite break through in terms of like getting – back to where they were contending for a conference title a few years ago. Um, they win games they're supposed to win. They get to bowl games. They usually win these like you know lower-tier, mid-tier bowl games. Um, but they don't really make a habit of like pulling off too many like crazy upsets. Um, so for that reason, I think they're going to kind of maintain what they've been doing, which is be a, a pretty above-average football program. But I just think, you know, with what – is going on in their own division right now with UAB and North Texas. I don't really see them kind of breaking through that ceiling to be, um, to take the next, I don't really see them taking the next step, I guess, and kind of getting back on top of that division. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. No argument here. I, I think what you're kind of saying, Joe, is you know they're not necessarily gonna gonna be a, a UAB, which you know broke out and came back, and all of a sudden you know this top tier team in the West. Uh, they're not necessarily gonna be an FIU or an FAU who's gonna break out of the pack and, mm-hmm. and contend in the East. Um, you're right. I mean, there's kind of are what they are. They're a solid program. You know that. You know, they're not going to go all in 11. They're, they're going to be bowl contenders. Skip Holtz is a solid 
football coach. You take into effect they have Jamar Smith, who is a, is a very talented quarterback, but he has, I don't want to say he's been inconsistent, but if you're asking my personal opinion, I do think there have been some games where he hasn't played up to his own potential. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to go push here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just can't see them. If, if For me, if I were going by with La Tech, I would essentially be saying that they'd be winning eight or nine games. And I don't see that, so I'm right there with you. Louisiana Tech are like the Toyota Camry of of Conference USA football right now. They'll get you there, but it, it won't necessarily be in the most sexy way possible. You know what I mean? I would like to go ahead and say that's Joel Lonergan speaking for himself. If Toyota Camry would like to send a, a free vehicle my way, I'm all in. <laughs> I drove a Toyota Camry for like eight years. That was my first car. I love Toyota Camrys. I'm just saying. They're no Ferrari or whatever good car. I don't know cars. That's why I drove a Camry for eight years. Um, but uh, we'll move on to Southern Miss then. And they're a push for me. I think I said this at the beginning of last season too, where I was just like, I don't really have any idea what to expect from this Southern Miss team. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about the Golden Eagles coming into this season. Um, I mentioned it in the article that that by this point will have gone up on the site. I, I like Tate Watley a lot, but I'm not too excited about any of the other pieces around him on that offense. So I think if if they can kind of win a bowl game, that would be kind of the main thing they should be striving to achieve this year. But I just really don't know enough about um, the folks around their quarterbacks that uh, to know enough about or let me refer, let me try that again I don't really know enough about this offense to make a call on whether or not they're going to be better or worse for next season so that's why I'm pushing I'm right there with you going to make it short and sweet I think they just are kind of what they are um, to be completely honest with you I think you almost have to to take a look that they have a guy coming in and uh, Jaden Johnson this isn't someone who I plan on talking about in recruiting but just since you mentioned the quarterback uh, position uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw Jaden Johnson who's a three star uh, pro style quarterback if he saw some time this year and, and I'm not saying they're going to you know, be out of games or be three and eight or whatever but I just think when you kind of are what you are you're going to have to take a look at the future so uh, that's kind of my thoughts on Southern Miss yeah I agree with that and uh, we'll start wrapping it up with uh, UTSA. And for these guys, I'm going to say sell. I am honestly not all that convinced that Frank Wilson's going to be in San Antonio all that much longer based on just the kind of like really poor display of offense that we saw from them this year. Um, I don't know how many UTSA fans would welcome that, but I think it's going to get worse before it gets better for UTSA. Um, maybe a few years down the road, they'll be back to kind of, you know, you know, being a team that we kind of talk about for uh, the, the top echelon of this conference or whatever. But right now, uh, I, I saw them play a lot last year, and there's just no real reason for me to think it's going to improve all that much next year. So they're a sell for me. Joe, you know what's weird is that I am kind of torn on UTSA. Now, let me go and just get it out there. I'm selling. But the reason I'm torn is because I did a, a UTSA podcast. It's Alamo Audible. I did their podcast mm-hmm. during the season last year. And the overall theme was that they're tired of Frank Wilson and they're done. But then when you look at what he does as a recruiter, he brings in guys like Sincere McCormick and Rashad Wisdom, uh, two guys out of out of uh, Judson High, which if you know anything about Texas, that's kind of that, that South Texas area um, there. And, and I believe 
Judson might even be in the San Antonio suburbs, if my memory serves me correct, uh, from watching Friday Night Tikes. <laughs> a little cheap plug there. Um, but uh, but he does well as a recruiter. But when you look at the, the fact that in the offseason he had guys like Bryce Rivers transfer out, um, another player I was escaping my name, uh, escaping my, uh, my mind right now, transfer out. And you wonder, like, just what's going on with the program? Uh, they're not necessarily taking steps forward, and you sure as hell hope they can't take anything, you know, take any steps backwards. Uh, when when I saw them play against FIU, I mean, they just looked horrendous, and Bryce Rivers came in and was their only, uh, you know, real shining hope for them, and all of a sudden he's taken uh, his talents elsewhere. So I'm, I'm with you there. I'm kind of sell, but it, it just it's weird because it seems as if they're recruiting talent, they're just not getting anything out of it there. Yeah, it's the execution for real, and it's definitely been an issue for that team for a while. So I'm not sure like what the big fix is for them, but it doesn't seem to be something that that Frank Wilson's had in his arsenal. Otherwise, has in his arsenal. Otherwise, I feel like he would have employed it by now. You know what I mean? <laughs> by now, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, staying in Texas, let's talk some Rice Owls. Uh, I'm saying buy right now just because, A, like I kind of mentioned with Western Kentucky, there's not much place for them to go other than going up. Um, I know they're in a low place right now, but I think they're definitely going to improve um, based on the kind of offensive coach that I think we know Mike Bloomgren is and uh, give him a little bit of time there. I think he'll start recruiting some some quality folks. Um, it, it might not happen in 2019, but I think they'll be competitive again in the next two to three years. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, the next two clubs we're going to talk about are, are, are the, the club we're talking about now in Rice and the one we'll talk about after in mm-hmm. Uh What I was impressed with is that both teams seem to fight hard, you know, despite having uh, very tough seasons. And I agree with you in terms of Mike Bloomgren. When I saw them firsthand at FIU, they're a team that fought hard for, you know, two and a half, three quarters uh, against FIU. So uh, I think all things considered, they can't get much worse. You kind of make that point. Yeah. And, you know, when you're starting from scratch, you, you got to kind of establish what you want as a program and as an identity. So I'm, I'm going by here. I, I think they'll – not only do I think they'll be competitive in every game this year, I think they'll win a handful of games this year. We'll say three or four. So we'll go by. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with them too. I think – I think there's just some there's some good players on that team and we saw what Mike Bloomgren did at Stanford like there's no way that team can remain in the stagnant state they've been for the past two seasons for much longer if he's at the helm so that's kind of my opinion on Rice um well with UTEP then we'll wrap up Conference USA West uh I'm saying push and if if you check the article out um the only reason I'm not selling UTEP stock is that I wouldn't get much back um but uh I I don't Nothing I really saw from UTEP uh, this season shows me that they're moving towards like long-term sustained success. Yeah, it was fun when they won a game, but again, they won one game. Um, I'm not really convinced that Dana Dimmel was the right hire there still. Um, but I mean, if they if they did, you know, get back to winning three or four games a year or whatever, that certainly wouldn't be the strangest thing that's happened in college football. So. You know, Joe, uh, at one point in time, I wanted to be a lawyer just because I like to argue points for the hell of it, which I think you learned on this podcast. Sure. I'm going to use your own logic against you. Uh, you did say that if this were the stock market and we had any sort of improvement, it would be a buy. Mm-hmm. So that's I'm just kind of covering my, you know, my own behind here when I say I'm buying on UTEP. Sure. Um, 
I've, I've been kind of doing this with UTEP all, you know, since we've been doing this podcast. I think they play hard. I think Kyle Loxley has something. What that is, we haven't necessarily established that yet and running out of time. Um, uh, what they did bring in some QB competition. You got a three-star quarterback in TJ Goodwin, and they also have Alex Delton coming in from Kansas State. Uh, they have Quadras Wadley at running back who's coming back. He can only go up, right? Uh, I, I honestly think if they can win three games, it'll be be a success. And I just think that there's enough there that, I mean, put it to you like this, Joe. UTEP honestly looked as if they were a FCS team who were making the jump up to FBS last year, and they're far from that. So I think you can only go up. All right. Um, yeah, I just – I don't know. I know I made the point of nowhere to go, but up, nowhere to go but up. But so you have to buy. But at the same time, that should show you how like little faith I really have <laughs> in like that's, the that's state a, of this program. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of our thoughts on who's rising, who's falling in uh, the state of Conference USA right now. Um, with that, we'll kind of keep with the theme of looking toward the future and talk some uh, recruits and signees to watch f- uh, for the coming years in Conference USA. Most of these guys, I think, yeah, most of these guys have already signed, so you can probably catch them on the field sooner rather than later. Um, Eric, did you want to just kind of go through these and, like, you say one and I'll say one? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cool. We can do that. Uh, I'll start off, you know, being the FIU guy. I will start off with Stone Norton. Uh, I think Stone, he, what what Butch Davis is really getting out of there, besides, you know, just building this influx of talent, and if you've, you know, checked the website or, you know, checked any of my stuff uh, on Twitter, you've seen that they've added uh, three recruits from Power 5 schools within the past week, um, or three former players, transfers, I should say, grad transfers. Those are guys who uh, Bryn Renner told me that they, uh, there's a possibility that those guys may play immediately. Uh, two of them appear from Arkansas because they're uh, looking at getting waivers for them. So this building depth, but in addition to that, they're really building a quarterback culture. Uh, the thing with Stone is he is a three-star uh, player as a quarterback, but he's a heck of a passer, man. I mean, he can move in the pocket, and his size, I mean, he's 6'3", about 185, you know, kind of lanky, but Joe, he's going to sit behind Morgan this year, and if he can put on 15, 20, 25 pounds, uh, FIU will go from having Magoo to James Morgan for two years to potentially three or four years of Stone Norton. So I think, you know, FIU's just in really good position when it comes to the quarterback position. I think Stone's going to be a heck of a player, and they're bringing a lot of talent in, uh, with him as well in this class. Man, their cup runneth over when it comes to quarterbacks lately, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, since you stuck with uh, your team for the first one, um, I'll do the same thing for mine. Um, the first guy that I think is worth watching is uh, Manuel Allen from uh, Western Kentucky, three-star receiver, uh, for a couple reasons. One, coming in from Rancho Verde, California. A, with Tyson Helton coming back, they're most likely going to look more like the Western Kentucky offensive old. So, of course, going to need some quality receivers for that to happen. And based on this kid's film and just the, you know, what he was able to obtain at the high school level, I think he kind of fits that category. B, California hasn't exactly been a place where uh, WKU's big names have come from historically. I know hard to believe that Bowling Green, Kentucky isn't necessarily something, isn't necessarily a a city that uh, perks up ears in the state of California, but what are you going to do? 
So I think having him succeed there is a good first step to maybe tapping into that uh, recruiting bed that California's has become. They already do a pretty good job with Florida and then uh, parts of the Southeast, but it definitely would not hurt to kind of have part of that pipeline in California also. So I think he's kind of it's he's going to be an interesting case study for uh, this new, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, this new administration, I guess. This is a, it's, it's a good point. You know, this is where typically where I try to crack a joke on, you know, Manuel Allen coming in from California. But I think you raise a really good point. You know, if they can tap into that recruiting uh, base and that talent any way they can, it just is another uh, another outlet for them to build uh, the talent up there. And he's a guy who I had written down on my list too. So completely there with you. Um, the next guy on my list, as you mentioned regarding FAU, that they're going to have to replace Devin Singletary and Kareth White. So why not start with Larry McCammon? Uh, he's a three-star running back who, by all accounts, could see a lot of playing time very early. Uh, another Florida guy, and if you know anything about you know running backs in Florida, I mean, it's really hard to miss on those, especially at the college level. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do at FAU. Uh, definitely a speed guy. He's, he's, he's a little bit different than Devin Singletary in the sense that Singletary actually is pretty quick himself, but Devin is is definitely a between the tackles shifty kind of runner, especially at that 5'8", like 225 kind of frame. Uh, Larry McCammon is definitely going to guy who has that potential, but he's uh, gives you kind of that home run threat as well. So looking forward to seeing him play uh, in red and white and Boca Raton. Absolutely. Um, I think another guy for FAU that I am kind of interested in is uh, Levante Epson, big three-star guard from Northwest Mississippi Community College, uh, the original last chance U. Uh, 6'2", 320, one of the top 10 guards in the nation. Definitely think he'll be a big part of getting that offense back up to snuff. Um, never hurts to have somebody of his size and his experience, um, you know, trying to clear the path up the middle. And I think he's just like, he's just a good size for a guard. He's tall, but he's not too tall and then obviously has the the size and the the strength to kind of you know do what they want to do and you know um with with uh Kareth White in the backfield there and then some of the other good names um at quarterback that they have and uh I just think he'll he'll be a really interesting addition to uh to that offense yeah, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, it's especially as far as FAU goes, you know, they're really going to be uh, pounding that 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 uh, that run game. And it's really quick, uh, Joe. Uh, Kareth White did declare for the draft um, in December. I said to double check that as as we're going. So, God so uh, Kareth right. White is uh, is gone. But no, I mean, it's a great point. You know, and and I think you make a good point about his size. Uh, at six five, three twenty, you know, when you start getting those guards at like six 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 seven, mm-hmm. uh, they you know they're usually tackles at that point. You know, so he's got good size for a guard. And you know, just to kind of get someone from that the JUCO level who's ready to play immediately was uh is good for FAU. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's six two also, so I think that six two. Yeah, yeah even six, better. Sorry, six two. You're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, even better. Um, the the next player uh, I want to take a look at is Dre. I knew I was going to say Dre Bly. Darn it, Dre Bly, the <laughs> son of Dre Bly, the former uh, St. Louis Ram. I'm staring right at Dre Bly, and and the instincts came out as Dre. Um, but he is a, a DB like his dad, uh, and he's a guy who's heading to Charlotte. And it was a bit of a of a hairy situation for a second because with the coaching change, it, it wasn't known whether he was going to stick. But he did decide to stay with uh, Will Healy there, and I think that if Charlotte can just kind of keep bolstering that defense and Dre Trey Bly 
it's instincts. I'm sorry. I, 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 uh, I grew up watching a lot of Rams football. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if Trey can, can come in and, and make an impact immediately, uh, that will help. He's a three-star, uh, three-star prospect. And once again, just any way they can keep building up that defense, especially with the losses, um, and Glenn Spencer leaving as well. I think that'll be huge for Charlotte. So Trey Bly and Charlotte. Nice. Um, I, I was interested when I saw that name. I was like, is that the son of Dre Bly? That's kind of, yeah. So I think he'll... If I haven't made it apparent, I had uh, a slip of idiots. So. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, I think another f- uh, person within uh, Conference USA West that I think is going to be really interesting is uh, Southern Miss. I think uh, Jaden Mitt... Uh, let me try that again. Jane Johnson from Southern Miss, uh, three-star pro-style quarterback, is definitely one to keep an eye on for a couple reasons. A, uh, this kid had like a, several uh, Power Five offers um, that he turned down to kind of come to Southern Miss. So that should tell you something about like a how much he is bought into uh, that program, um, and then B, like there's already some pretty quality quarterbacks on that team so I think if nothing else that's going to kind of spice up the dynamic of that team and and make it you know slightly more interesting to watch Um, but I mean if you there's no real way I can kind of describe this kid's tape um, in a a concise way that I think uh, will do it justice Um, but you know I it's a little crazy that he's a three-star. I kind of thought he would be a four-star just based on like how good he is and the kind of attention that he's getting. Um, so I think if nothing else, he's going to make that, that, uh, and he's going to add an extra level of intrigue to the Southern Miss team in the next couple of years. No, I'm right there with you. That's why I mentioned him uh, potentially seeing some time this year because I think he is that talented and that good. And you mentioned the fact that he turned down a, a handful of P5 offers. I believe he had an offer from Florida, from the Gators as, uh, as well. So, yeah, he turned down a, a lot of offers. Yeah, yeah, he's going to be something interesting. The last guy here I'm going to take a look at, or actually the last few, I'll just kind of bunch them in together. Uh, the first one are, are the Murphy Twins. You kind of heard me mention them for North Texas. Uh, let me make sure I get both of their names right. I got Gabriel and Grayson Murphy. They're both twins, uh, twin linebackers, 6'3", 215 pounds. Excuse me. Uh, those are guys, when you got that size, and they'll probably put on another 10 pounds before the season starts, they'll be able to make impacts immediately. <clears throat> excuse me, so for North Texas. So both of them, when you look at their tape, they just fly around the field. And, I mean, you're talking about linebackers who, who run. Uh, both of them are clocked at 4'6". So when you talk about that kind of speed coming in as an 18-year-old, you know, you can't beat that. And the last one here that I said I'm going to bunch in, Messiah DeWeaver. He's a name I think CUSA fans, uh, especially Old Dominion fans, uh, should – keep an eye on because he was a Michigan State QB, uh, went the JUCO route after leaving Michigan State, former four-star quarterback. As I said, you know, Bobby Wilder clearly thinks that, you know, hey, uh, the best way to get this thing going back in the right direction is to kind of have that competition at the quarterback position. And I don't think it's far-fetched to see him possibly come out of, uh, you know, fall camp with this job. So I think Messiah DeWeaver is another name that, if you listen to this podcast, he's a guy who, you know, if, you're, if your team's facing Old Dominion, you might want to start looking at tape of him now. Because and, and when you watch the tape of him, it's clear that he's talented. I don't, I'm not necessarily familiar with what happened at, at Michigan State, but he's definitely a talented guy, and he's not, you know, an 18-year-old. I believe he's 20. Uh, so he'll be a little more mature than, than your uh, average 18-year-old quarterback coming in for Old Dominion. 
Yeah, totally. And uh, there's just that whole quarterback room in Old Dominion is like there's a lot of talented kids, but at the same time, it's like I don't know that either of them are necessarily like ready to be the guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm right there with you. I, I it, we all know if you listen to this podcast how I feel about Stephen Williams. I, I'm not going to belabor that point again. But with Blake Larusa leaving, I mean he probably was the most quote unquote ready, whether no matter whether you thought he was the guy or not. Mm-hmm. And you gotta follow that up with Steven Williams because he does have the the year of starting experience. Um, but it, it's kind of almost I, I'll, I'll just say this on Steven Williams. If he comes out and wins this job, uh, I, I think you gotta say just uh, uh, it's a testament to his uh, fortitude because he lost his job and they've brought in 17 quarterbacks to compete with him. So, you know, if he does win the job, kudos to him. But uh, it, it's like you said, I don't know if any any of those guys are ready to be the guy. No. Um, we'll kind of start wrapping this up then. I had to add a couple, but I'll kind of pick the big one for me, which was uh, I think Jordan Smith uh, is going to be a good addition uh, for UAB. Former Florida defensive end, spent last year at Butler Community College. Uh, he's a guy who I think can make an immediate impact, and that's saying something because I think uh, UAB's – a, they're the conference champs, and B, that defensive line was really quality, especially in the later stretch of the year there. Um, but, I mean, this kid can just – he's a good pass rusher. He's like – he's got size. He's got uh, some decent length in his arms. Um, so I think that's a name that you're probably going to see on the field, um, you know, with some regularity in the next year or so for, for UAB. Yeah, I, I think in terms of UAB in general, like I said, you know, they're, I'll use your expression, their cups runneth over. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they definitely do have a fair amount of talent coming in. And I did notice that he was a, a former uh, Florida kid as well. So uh, good to see UAB get that kind of talent. And good to see Conference USA as a whole. You know, I, I, I've always made the point that Conference USA is right there with the American in terms of talent. Maybe not, you know, the the ceiling of a UCF per se, but as a league, I think the, the, the talent is, is growing and, and uh, think these recruiting classes are really evident of that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one more that I, or two more that I wanted to mention, I'll just kind of rip yeah. them off really quickly. Uh, Hunter Henry from Rice, safety from the Austin area. Rice obviously had the worst defense in the league last year, so they really need someone who can defend against some of the pass-happy defenses in CUSA. Hopefully within the next couple of years, they'll kind of get them to that point where they're doing that with consistency. And then uh, Michael Clark for Louisiana Tech, three-star, weak side defensive end. He's quick, and it never hurts to have a guy who's uh, who can get to the quarterback in a hurry, obviously. Do need to beef him up a little bit, though. But I think he has a lot of natural athletic ability, so, you know, get him in the uh, <laughs> get him in the weight room a little bit. Uh, take him through the drive-thru at McDonald's a few times. I'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, Joe, I actually did see him as well. Um, what is he? Is he 205, or is he is he even skinnier than that? He is – he's pretty skinny. Um, yeah. I know I put you on the spot, but I did notice as well when I when I came across his uh, profile that he was kind of skinny. I think he's like six three, six four, as well, and pretty skinny. So yeah, he does need to uh, hit the weight room and uh, hit that uh, that Clemson White House diet. Of, uh, <laughs> <and McDonald's. laughs> he's uh, he's six four two twelve. So two twelve. There you go. Yeah, yeah for for a six four kid, that's pretty skinny. Yeah, he's, he's, he's got good size for a shooting guard, but not necessarily a defensive end. So. Right, 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 right. But I think uh, kind of, you know, get him on the uh, college football stuff a little, on the college football workout plan, eating plan a little bit. He'll, he'll get to where he needs to go. Most definitely. Awesome. Um, so was there one other thing that you wanted to talk about in here? 
Um, I pretty much wrapped it up for me. I guess, you know, since I've, you've given me the latitude, I'll just make this quick point, uh, which I thought was an interesting um, occurrence. FIU and UM, uh, their late-season matchup will take place at Marlins Park. Uh, it, it was a bit of a, and I'll just bring up the speed, Joe, it, it was a bit of a, a kind of a controversial topic from the FIU side because the small but vocal FIU contingency really wanted that game played at Ricardo Silva Stadium. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, Ricardo Silva Stadium, or the cage, as it's better known as, only holds about 20,000 seats um so it, it just it and it would have been ideal for that game to be played there but it just wouldn't have been practical um I've, you've seen everything said on social media from the tailgate uh would overrun the entire campus that's not true um but just in terms of you know the, the more feasible option uh it, it was better to play that game at marlins park and also uh what people should know is this year is the home game for fiu uh i'm not exactly sure what the split is and it's something i'm still looking into it but my reason for mentioning the fact that it's the home game is they'll get the revenue so mm-hmm. you want to play it at, at and kind of maximize the most uh, you can get out of seating, and that's why they're playing at Marlins Park. And the other option was to play it at Hard Rock Stadium, which you're therefore forfeiting any home uh, field advantage by essentially playing the game uh, at UM's home stadium. Right. So uh, it was announced that that game would be played at Marlins Park. I think it'll be fun. You know, have it uh, have it in Miami at the old uh, Orange Bowl site and, and have it in Dade County. So that should be fun. Yeah, I think that will be a good thing for like, you know, the my or for FIU's recruiting efforts as well. You know what I mean? Exactly. Kind of, yeah, just show like this is something that we have the capability to pull off if we if we really wanted it to. You know what I mean? So I think that's again we've we've talked about the strength of FIU's recruiting in the last year or two, and I think they're just finding new ways to kind of up their game, which is nice to see. Absolutely. You know, all things considered, Butch Davis has the program in the right direction. So uh, right there with you on that. But yeah, that's the last note I will make uh, as far as this this edition of our podcast. Cool. Um, Sticking. Thank you for uh, sticking with us on this show because we kind of knocked the rust off of the the machine as we maybe (laughs) maybe took a little too much time off over the holiday break. Um, But we'll kind of be back, of course, look forward to uh, talking about some draft prospects. And then, of course, signing days next month. So we'll probably do a little more comprehensive look at signing classes if you're not uh, bored of us talking about recruits already. Um, But thank you so much for listening. Leave us a review on iTunes. Follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter and on like us on Facebook as well. And check out the site every day, even throughout the offseason, for more fun G5 football content. A lot of good stuff coming up for the next couple of months. Uh, Until then, thank you so much for listening. Happy football watching, everybody. Happy football watching and stay tuned. We might have some surprise guests for you on the podcast. So thanks for listening. Ooh, intrigue. Bye.